0: You're listening to Filmed in Canada, a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee. Who are you? I just said and I'm and William Lee. And why are Lee. you here? <laughs> you want to start with that? Start with the who are you, why are you here? Let's try that again. Try what again? Oh, I thought you were going to prompt me with the who are you.
1: No, you, just, you did a different intro. You're, you're listening to, like, instead of hey listeners or welcome oh, listeners. Oh, yeah. You just jumped into your listening to
0: films. So I was like, "Who are these?" Yous. Use uses the one on the other side of this thing. Yeah, we're doing uh, a podcast. This is yes, it. Man. We we're not. We're not starting over. What are we? What are we podcasting about? Canadian movies. Okay. I'm William Lee. Who are you? Alexander Cairns. Awesome. What are we talking about? We are talking about Canadian movies. <laughs> no, I mean, which movie? Which oh. movie are you talking
1: about? Uh, well, I saw Moonlight the other day. I have yet to see it, but I hear it's good. Uh, but yeah, it's not Canadian. Yeah. But um, we are talking about Last Night, a 1997 movie? I think, uh, 97 or 98. Uh, yeah. I
0: think it was uh, released in
1: 98. Yeah. 90. I'm going to go with 97 movie directed by Don McKellar, who we have seen in the past in Exotica, and I think one other.
0: Well, he was a voice in uh, um, Window Horses, which we should talk about during the film festival. He
1: was a German guy in Window Horses, which hasn't posted yet, but it's a good movie. You should check it out. We did talk about it in the the context of the VIF
0: wrap-ups. Last night was Don McKellar's uh, feature directorial debut. He did some short films prior to that, uh, but it was the first feature that he directed.
1: Sorry, that that was just weird because you said last night was Don McKellar's and I thought you were going to continue that with like his ex number birthday or something because like it
0: was, you know what I mean? Because we're saying the words last night yeah. as if we're talking about something that a happened m- before today. Movie called the last movie night. last night. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get used to it so we don't have to keep saying the movie last night. Right. Um, whose idea was it to uh, to talk about the movie last night? I Think it was yours. It was. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not sure if it is wholly relevant to the conversation, but. I may have chosen it because uh, because of its end of the world theme, and sort of my mindset right now. It, this is our first recording since the uh, uh, since the uh, results of the U.S. election mm. in November. Well, yeah, it is essentially. Yeah, um, and I guess I, I have to admit I was a little bit down yeah. following hearing about. Uh, the, how that turned out. And uh, I was wondering a little bit about about the relevance of art or talking about art. Um, so uh, there was a bit of a gap between our, uh, our recordings because I just wasn't really in the mood for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so maybe I think that fed into picking something that was about the end of the world. Nice. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: Well, then you've proven that there is a point in discussing art because it has allowed you to process your feelings about a real world event potentially i don't know we'll see by the time we get to the end of this discussion if there are any new insights Mm
0: -hmm. very curious well very very uncertain always in motion is the future I, I'm not sure what you're referencing. I'm referencing a serious man, the, um, <laughs> the, the
1: Korean father. Much uncertainty.
0: <laughs> okay. Coen Brothers going back to yeah. Yeah. I fucking love that movie.
1: Um, that would actually be a good movie to watch. Post, a serious man. Post Trump election, because it's, cause it's just it, it's almost apocalyptic in its own way. What? Actually, I feel like we did talk about that on a previous episode. We talked that, a lot about it. Because yeah. I watched it sometime
0: in the past year that we've been doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, where to start? Let's, uh, let's let's quickly just talk about the plot of the movie Last Night.
1: Yeah, so it starts on at like 6 p.m., I think, on the last day on Earth mm-hmm. in the city of Toronto. Yeah. And... I guess, progresses to follow a series of characters as they get to where they need to go or see who they want to see or do what they want to do on their last day.
0: Yeah. Um, so Don McKellar. Or their last night, to be more precise. That's right. Their last three hours, uh, yeah. if you want to be really Six exact. hours. I think we, we see them from... S- oh, you're right. Six, 6 pm to, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. My math is off. Thank you for that correction. But
1: weirdly, it doesn't get dark, which I guess is part of the end of the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was an interesting touch.
0: Um, I think that is bored from that song about the future being uncertain and you got to wear shades. Don't know the song. So (laughs) uh, Don Keller plays Patrick. Yeah, he'll be. I I would say he's the main character that we follow around. But yeah. then we also meet um, his family, um, his his parents, and I think a grandparent. His sister is played by Sarah Polly. Sarah Polly.
1: Her boyfriend's played by some dude I didn't recognize.
0: Yeah, I forgot to write his name down. Sorry, dude, who played the boyfriend? It's all good. Um, he'll Patrick will also meet Sandra, who's played by Sandra O. Oh. Uh, and then we'll meet Patrick's friend. Craig, played by Callum Keith Rennie, um, both
1: of whom were in Double Happiness. That's right. Yeah,
0: and uh, romantic also, leads. You also, might say. part of the cast are I, I would uh, I would say one is a romantic lead and one is <laughs> one is the one is a supporting character. But okay, yeah. yeah. Um, also in the cast, David Cronenberg, and also
1: I guess somewhat noted Canadian actor Jean-Vivre Genevieve
0: Bujold.
1: Mm-hmm who's in
0: Dead Ringers. Yeah. She shows up for a short scene. And uh, while we're naming names, Arsene Kangen, um, the, oh, yeah, the wife of uh, Adam and Gawain also appears. Yeah. She was and, in Exotica. And uh, I didn't catch it until the credits, but uh, fellow Canadian directors, Francois Girard and Bruce McDonald make cameos in there. Cool. It's the end. So the end of the world is coming. Yeah. And these characters will do something over the next six hours I would say only one of them has a defined mission in the way that you would expect a character to have uh, like that, that narrative arc where they have to they have to accomplish something um, I'm kind of curious as to who you're going to say look, I'm, I'm going to say it's Sandra okay I think everyone else is kind of waiting it out or, or they're just they're content to bide their time until the clock runs out
1: yeah well, I guess, what, what, sorry, what's Callum Keith Raney's character's name? Craig. So Craig, see, he definitely has like a goal, but it's almost like an unachievable goal because there's just
0: too many things on the list. I <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's a thing he can accomplish before uh, the, the clock runs out, but he's, he certainly has a he's, thing he's working he's toward. He's progressing, yeah.
1: yeah. And then Patrick is just kind of stuck. Yeah, you, don't, he, you don't know what he wants to do or how he wants to finish. Yeah,
0: anything. he tells us he's, he's uh, decided he wants to be in a certain place when it ends. Yeah. Um, and that, that gets revealed to us later. But it doesn't seem like he needs to overcome any obstacles to get there other than just you know um, get rid of uh, or just deal with the people he meets this evening, mm-hmm. including Sandra, who, who's, uh, who's lost her car and needs to meet up with her husband. So he helps her for a while. Um, but then he's just going to go back to his apartment and do his thing. Mm-hmm. That's basically the plot. Yeah. yeah. It differs... I, I think it's, it's um, different from other treatments of uh, the end-of-the-world scenario in that your main characters are very calm, and I, I think that would be a, uh, one of the characteristics of this movie that people would point to and say, oh, it's very Canadian, because it's a very mature take on something, or it's a very... Rational take on something, Hmm.
1: Um, or (laughs) non-confrontational. Okay, that's nice too.
0: That's a polite way to put it. Yeah, Um, I I think it also serves um, that sort of that sort of storytelling serves the movie as well because it doesn't have to stage big set pieces. It's it's a low budget way of telling the story.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you sort of you see the stress weighing down on the characters. When they do kind of venture out into the the outside environment that is more chaotic and is typically where most dystopic s- stories are, are staged and told, um, so you see you see that chaos kind of influencing them on influencing them on the edges. But yeah, it's not it's certainly not their um, it's not their permanent state of being because they're choosing to to avoid the the chaos of, of everyone just looting and and being violent and, and all that kind of stuff, so yeah, it's it's kind of simultaneously uh, a a distinct element of the of the story and how it's staged, but it's also a convenient way to um, keep the budget down. But although 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 I guess what your your point is more to the fact that the characters
0: themselves aren't aren't. Um, reacting to it yeah yeah I'm, I'm getting to that um, yeah. so, uh, it's a little bit slower than I than I um, hope to sorry yeah sorry. Um, but uh, in choosing these characters to, uh, to follow to tell the story of these characters um, I think it excludes the people that we see um, and hear in the background of the story the people that are kind of like, really anxious or revved up about it mm-hmm. uh, the people who are looting or, or, uh, or inciting violence um we don't see those people and we don't we don't get a character that tells that story we just see um the, we we just see the stories of people who um are kind of protected um they're 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 a little bit well off it seems i, I think it's safe mm-hmm. to say that all the characters are well off uh, mm-hmm. financially and they don't they don't have to um be on the street if they don't want to mm-hmm. um and um well if although, although to a degree, it's
1: even if they're well off, it's kind of like how are they providing for themselves? Because there are some scenes where they're wandering through grocery stores and they've already been looted and and picked over. And so,
0: to a certain extent, I would question how they've been able to survive this long. It's a good question. Um, yeah. It doesn't really matter though, because there's only there's only six hours left.
1: Yeah, but
0: yeah, I I, I guess maybe my point
1: is that. They, they have other reasons for not being um, stressed or, mm-hmm. or feeling like they need to engage with the people on the street or whatever. Because mm-hmm. maybe those people don't need to either. Maybe there has been enough food and, and provisions and, and power to go around for everyone. Um, but these people are just choosing to react to it in a,
0: in a violent and, and chaotic manner. Mm-hmm. Stories about the end of the world. They're usually not about the end of the world. Uh, well, okay, let me, let me, um, let me explain. Um, stories about the end of the world, they could be just like uh, special effects and action s- spectacles. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of, they kind of sit on the surface as a thing to just give you a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's stories that use that sort of uh, a, a big event as a metaphor for something else. hmm um, so I think, I think this is the kind of movie where the end of the world is it, it's meant to serve as a metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what that something else is, uh, I, I'd like to um, try to tease out of you if, uh, or your, your thoughts about what that is. Um, do you agree that it's, it's, it's a metaphor, the end of the world? It's not really about the end of the world. Just in general terms? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, like I'm thinking of Melancholia or, um, or Serious Man which it, which isn't it's not an end of the world movie, but certainly has some of those overtones, i guess, but okay. um yeah melancholia specifically, sure. is like very much
0: a movie about depression, yeah that ends in in the right. world exploding uh even um take shelter yeah uh you know that's uh it's about possibly the end of the world, but it's really about mental disorder, yeah right? yeah um so what is this movie about is uh, i guess is one of the things that i'm um uh, trying to um get my head around so i um
1: i have to confess that i i um i was a bit overtired when i was watching this movie and i don't have the the piece of the puzzle in my head as to what patrick's reasoning was like why he wanted to be alone and kind of doing his own thing i can't remember how that resolved itself
0: okay i actually had to watch that scene again because I couldn't remember if I if there was knowledge that I was supposed to glean from that that was that was crucial or not yeah uh, I think it's supposed to be a crucial scene but I, I admit I watch the scene again just to see if I missed something right so the, the movie is um, it's almost 20 years old is that right if yeah I'm, okay uh, 18 years old and um, it's about the end of the world but it's not really about the end of the world so um, so listeners we're just gonna get into details about it yeah here. yeah so the, the toward the end, there's a scene where Patrick and Sandra are uh, they, they've met up again, and they're at his apartment, mm-hmm. and she says, um, "Tell me about your big tragedy," and he and he says um, that his uh, that he was he was married, his wife died mm. uh, from illness, and uh, and soon after that, they said the they said the world was ending, right. And he says, uh, uh, "Do you remember? Do you remember a time when people died from illness? Like when there was time to die, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's essentially all that there is in that scene that I remember. Yeah. Um, uh, there isn't there isn't anything that I took from it that was a further um, a further revelation about the character, other than he was sad about um, not being with his wife. Yeah, and uh, and I guess uh, if if it's if this movie is a metaphor about his grief process uh, his process of dealing with grief um, because his wife is gone yeah um, that uh, the world ending doesn't matter because his grief is so all-encompassing oh, yeah. on him right if that's what this movie is about that's fine but uh, I feel a little bit cheated Okay. Yeah. Do you is this so do you think the movie's more do you think the movie's about anything more than Patrick's grief?
1: Um Well, I guess it's about that for him. And then yeah, I guess the other two main storylines don't really have as much purpose to them. Like I guess Sandra Sandra O oh is just trying to get back to her husband who she met during the during this period, after they knew the world was ending, yeah. And so she, they, they, I think she says they they were only married uh, like three or more months. A few months, yeah. yeah. Um, and and her husband being David
0: Cronenberg, who who gets mm. shot. Now, do you know? Uh, was I? I was looking for proof that that was her husband. Do you know for sure? Yeah, hundred percent. Because oh. because she's waiting for a voicemail. She's
1: waiting for her his her or him to call. Patrick's apartment she checks the voicemail the only voice on it is the guy from the from the gas company saying you know we're going to try and keep the gas on as long as we can and that's David Cronenberg's character Mm -hmm. and she's crying I think she's crying because she didn't get a message from her husband I think she's crying because that's her husband's voice because Patrick does say something like or she there's there's there was some line in
0: there to the effect of like uh you got to hear his voice or something I thought Really? Yeah. I thought he, because I thought Patrick said, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry my message, my machine was full. I thought he was apologizing, I, my machine was full, so I, I probably missed your message, sorry. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not, I was trying to look for a connection between them, but I, I for me it wasn't, it wasn't concrete. But yeah. I, I do, I do understand the connection you're making.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, if if that's not the case, I don't see why they would focus on his character at all and why
0: it would be important for him to be making these voicemails to everyone. Well, he seems to be like that very very um conscientious type of business person or service representative who just Yeah, but that's like all, the, there's that's the only thing that gives some meaning in these last hours, right? Is to right. make these phone calls to customers. Right, right, right. Okay.
1: Yeah, so I guess I guess for the other for the other characters it's more to do with like how they want to spend their last moments, and like what meaning they want to get out of their their last moments on on Earth, as opposed to it being some larger metaphor for what the end of the world means.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's about getting what you want out of life while there's time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I I can. But, Pat- I can but accept Patrick. That. But Patrick. But does, Patrick doesn't seem like he wants to get anything out of no. out of his life. He just wants to be alone. Yeah. He he goes to uh, a dinner party with his parents, and they ask him to stay in the final hours, and he's like, "No, no, I just I have my own thing to do." Mm-hmm. I think if if it was really about Patrick's grief um, and his his wanting to be alone, I don't think he I don't think his ultimate goal should have been to I want to be at my apartment, I want to be on the roof at my apartment, listening to music and having a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think he should have wanted to be. Like at a at a place that was significant to him and his wife, or right. maybe be at the gravesite of his wife. Right. And so, I guess so it, maybe they did
1: listen to music on the roof and drink wine.
0: Maybe they didn't. They, they didn't uh, give me something that said that was meaningful to. Him, yeah. But yeah. I guess Patrick's uh, Patrick's storyline. I guess in the end, I, I just wasn't sure. Um. I, I just felt a little bit dissatisfied. I guess following yeah. that character. Yeah, yeah. I would, um, say
1: I, I would say I was generally
0: dissatisfied with
1: with um, all the storylines. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, sorry. The point was, uh, I was—I'm not sure if I made this point earlier um, when I was talking about um, all these characters are protected from the street. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, if it is, if it's, uh, if if the end of the world is a metaphor for about for about something else than Patrick's grief, mm-hmm. for example, an impending. Doom in the political system. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess I can't just because we we we've watched it recently. Yeah, yeah, I can't help but make these sorts of connections. Which is not the which is not the context that the movie came out in. Yeah, but uh, but this is the context. But because those it.
1: elements are left ambiguous, you can read into it if you'd like.
0: Okay, all right. Um, since since 1987, sorry, since 1997, 98, um, there are certain phrases in our culture that that have, um, that that have different meaning or or just like get better play than they used to like we we divide the social classes by the 1% and the others right yeah yeah uh, for example so the the idea of haves and haves nots is so different now mm-hmm. that if this is a if this is a, if this story if it's a metaphor about how people deal with a big change in their um, in their reality we only um i think it's interesting that we only follow these characters who are sort of white collar who are who are uh, who, who don't have it hard
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we don't see uh that is we we see the people who are looting and inciting violence as the other as the as the segment of society that is sort of um um that is negative right mm-hmm. um and it seems it seems insensitive when I watch it today. The movie seems insensitive to those to those characters. If yeah. that makes sense, because um, they're people who who probably had nothing, and now they have no future at all. So of course they'd be they're upset and they're rioting or they're after things. Um, so there's that scene when uh, when David Cronenberg's character opens the door to the street because of uh, some noise, and and some uh, and, and there's one young guy. With a shotgun who who uh, threatens him and enters his apartment mm-hmm. um so david, and eventually kills him and kills him yeah david cronenberg's character tells this kid who's approaching him with a gun he says i'm not afraid of you and what you can do you're the one who's afraid and i just now i just don't know like i don't know if that has any weight in terms of uh um, if that's true anymore, if if taking if if like this character in a sheltered environment, who, who just says like I'm not afraid of you, um, you know you who have who are angry and you who uh, who have nothing, you uh, you're just expressing your fear. I can I can understand that it is a thing to say to to show that you're um, that you're superior superior to someone who um, who may not be acting rationally Mm -hmm. but then it also it is it's insensitive and uh it's sorry it's it's unsympathetic to people who are upset yeah and um and another baffling line that uh that i remember was uh the uh the grandmother character um who's watching home videos and she has um, she has a bit of dialogue about how oh people are always saying i feel sorry for the young and she essentially says, like, I don't care about the children. I I care about me. I had to endure um, hardship, or I, didn't, I did I had to endure um, seeing my friends die and, and childbirth. So, what about me? And I don't understand her dialogue because yeah. is she saying like, woe is me who can no longer experience those things or has the memory of those things? Yeah. and uh, that's like that's equally. That's equally sad as people who will never get the chance to experience those things. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a strange bit. It
1: sort of um, reminds me of, I guess, *Children of Men* in that way, where like you're—it's a similar kind of dystopia, where, or or a similar perspective of what you're what you're talking about there, of you know, all these young people that don't get to experience any kind of future because they can't pass along life to other generations. And i I'd, I'd be interested to go back and listen to Michael Caine's dialogue in that movie because he's he's kind of the old guy who has had a chance to live a whole life um, and he does seem to have a different perspective than, than the other other characters in that movie but um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of bullshit that, that someone who it's like, yeah, you've suffered but you, you haven't really indicated to us that you've suffered greatly it just seems like you've seen people die it's like, okay, great but these are people who will not have any future and like at least you've had a chance to live yeah it is a strange little bit there
0: yeah strange that she got that moment because it just seems it just seems like a very selfish speech yeah suddenly from a character that we like really hadn't heard of or hadn't heard from all movie mm-hmm. yeah okay but you were talking about uh you were, you were talking about the characters and and their what they're what they're doing to maximize their experience on in the final hours
1: yeah. yeah so Callum keith rainey's character i forget his name again craig craig yeah. um he's just a
0: dick <laughs> like fuck that guy okay so he's um he's decided that he wants that that is he um he's made a list of all like the sexual experiences that he has yet to have yeah and he's on a mission to um to invite people to have sex with him, so he can get all these as many of them off his list as he can. Yeah.
1: Okay. But yeah, speaking of like baffling, weird moments in that movie, um, when he when he invites the the uh, the black woman over to his apartment, at that point you don't know that he has this list, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of sitting on the couch. You don't know if she's like a prostitute that was my assumption at first because again you don't know what his motivation is and um, they eventually get to the bedroom and then he talks about how like he saw her at some party and like wanted to call her and she says well you know it's just because I'm black like that's the only reason I'm here and he's like no no and she's like yeah no I understand why I'm here I just found that really strange that exchange because like I said you didn't know what his motivation was you didn't know that he was trying to fulfill some sort of sexual um,
0: bucket list uh, yeah. yeah
1: and so it just it just seems strange to have one black character in the movie and for it to end in a sort of jokey like oh you're into black girls like I don't know I just mm. I didn't like that okay and it seems like an instance where that might come off a lot differently if we did know about this list beforehand even even just visually like walking through his kitchen and you see all the all the writing on the wall and you're like okay so like so he's got some list he's going through like i get it then i feel like that scene doesn't come off just kind of strangely mm. and like i don't i don't know Exactly how to voice my opinion on this because, like, I am not that type of of ethnic minority or or person or whatever you, whatever the description is. But but you don't. It sounds it, like you don't just know just if you seems, should be offended seems, on on that
0: character's behalf. Yeah, yeah.
1: It just seems strange.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I had now I, I saw this movie when it first came out, yeah. and uh, and then. Uh, in preparation for this recording, I watched it again um, for, the first, for the first time since then. I remember not liking that character the first time I saw it. I thought, I, I think I had a similar reaction, where it's like, this guy's just like this total dirtbag. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought it was like, what he was trying to accomplish was kind of gross. Yeah. Um, this time, I had a, I had like the opposite reaction. Yeah. Um, I, I One, I knew what he was doing. Yeah. So when I when I first saw him in, in in the scene that you're describing, I already knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um but I also thought this time around that I really appreciated that character's honesty about what he's doing. Yeah. And and his wanting um something that that would make sense to him. Like yeah. uh, that that he wanted to have these um physical um experiences and I guess for him connections with people. Yeah. That uh, that he that he felt he never got,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so I I sympathize with him a lot more this time than I did the first time.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that kind of progresses over time. But yeah, that his introduction I just feel like isn't handled well, and then mm-hmm. the, his his interaction with with the black character just doesn't feel right to me. But then as it progresses, like I feel like he does have kind of a few touching moments with the with the former teacher with Genevieve Genevieve Bujold's character and um, and then the scene with Patrick where they're talking about um, potentially having sex with each other I feel like I feel like that was an interesting scene because it's just it was um, like it was an exchange between two seemingly heterosexual men saying you know you know yeah I have thought about this in the past and you know now it's not the right time but like let's talk about it for a bit i th- I, I did think that that was that scene was pulled off well but mm. um yeah ju- i just i didn't have the right feeling about him at first and okay. that just kind of stuck with me
0: one yeah. of the things about his behavior too uh that he puts on this record whenever he's yeah. ready to have sex i like i wonder if that's supposed to be played for laughs that he has this routine but it also makes him seem more um almost predatory yeah like that he just has a routine when he wants to have yeah seconds,
1: right? it's more like a serial killer <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um same memo the here's a here's a problem that i had with um how his story was okay one one problem i had with the way his story was handled was when patrick goes to the apartment to talk to craig and and craig reveals his list which is which is in his kitchen space and he's like he's just written all these uh Scrawlings on the walls and on the cupboards that says like all the the types of people he wants to have sex with, the types of positions he wants, and all that. Mm -hmm. And and at that point, the the score takes it it comes in and it's and it's kind of low and dark, and it it suggests that it's kind of sinister that he's revealed this. It's Mm -hmm. like ooh, it's kind of ugly. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was I thought that was wrong. Um, strategy for that scene right. um, I, I, I didn't like that because it undermined what he was doing this character was revealing something um, about himself and about like what he wanted to accomplish mm-hmm. and he wasn't yeah, there wasn't that much score throughout the movie so yeah, for, yeah. It, for it to come in at all there just doesn't seem necessary but it wasn't it wasn't about like oh my god look this guy's a sicko it was just like look at this guy he's you know he, he wants this before he dies yeah um, and I thought I thought I thought the music undermined that scene Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's all. I, that's all I wanted to say about that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you weren't really um, that taken with the movie. No. Okay. Do you think it it doesn't hold up as a as as just like saying something about these characters, or as like an end of the world movie, or? Um... Um,
1: yeah, I, th- I thought I thought stylistically it was interesting. Like I said, like how the how the light stays constant, like they're just constantly in daylight. Um, a few of the touches of um, the glimpses of the outside world. I thought, I thought those were handled well. Um, how they, um, how they topple the, the streetcar. And for whatever reason, Nada um, McGoin's wife.
0: Oh, are um,
1: Arsene kanjan Yeah. Her and her daughter, they're just, they're just sitting there not moving for some reason. Like it, it just, i i i think in a lot of apocalyptic movies those can be the some of the more interesting
0: elements just like what the what the side characters are up to what they're I, doing i agree i think i think when you're trying to paint this picture of like something you 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 can't escape from and you're uh, things that are under control i think it is interesting when you populate it with uh with little um glimpses of people who just behave irrationally mm-hmm. um and I think maybe there wasn't enough. I, I, I think those were interesting touches, too. Maybe mm-hmm. there could have been more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even that even that runner who's just running yeah. through the streets, yeah, counting yeah, yeah. down. I mean, that was interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, overall, I guess
1: it was just kind of tonally weird. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell if I... Like, you were saying, if something was being played for comedy. Like, I couldn't tell if I was supposed to laugh or... or have have different reactions in in different scenes it it, it was just kind of um, uneven i guess would be the word Mm -hmm. i guess we haven't really touched on the ending which is interesting for a few reasons i think because sandra's character says that you know she and her husband had this plan to kill each other
0: at midnight which seems kind of ill-advised because it's like if it's the end of the world you're going to die anyway yeah and i don't think her speech makes a lot of sense either do you remember that yeah just just that like they wanted to have control over
1: their destiny or whatever yeah Yeah. like she
0: said this is a this is the thing that the world won't take from us
1: yeah i can i can understand that sentiment of someone that they would want to do that i just don't think it's the right choice because you're if if you're gonna die you're gonna die or if you are going to do that like do it like months prior not not like at the moment when you're gonna die anyway but anyway um it it results in her asking patrick to to shoot her instead which i guess isn't even committing suicide so they're like um killing each other yeah so it's a to
0: what is that like a mutual suicide pact yeah it's just murder i think mutual murder okay <laughs> um so they're
1: on the rooftop, they're kind of holding a gun to each other's heads, and the camera's swirling around them, it hits midnight, and then nothing
0: happens. Well, it looks like they decide not to do it. Yeah, but then also the world doesn't end. Or does it? Well, well yeah, I don't know,
1: it cuts to black. But I okay. thought um, it was interesting at least that it that it left that open, and that...
0: Oh, you think it left it open?
1: Yeah, I think so. Oh,
0: okay. Well, okay. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah. So you think it's like the world ends? I guess I was just, I I, I guess I just had enough of the story and the characters. I was fine with it ending. (laughs) Uh, But if you're going to say that... Well, the movie can (laughs) end without the world ending, though. Okay, but if you're going to say that maybe the world didn't end... Yeah. Okay, then it then it is a story about Patrick's
1: grief. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I was getting to. Okay. All right, yeah. All right. um, yeah. Because because if the world doesn't end, he's now found this new love. But but at that point, she doesn't necessarily know that her husband's dead, and so it could so this kiss that they share could just be like out of despair or out of desperation, desperation, and despair, or similar feelings or concepts. I think <laughs> it seems like desperation is more what I'm looking for in this instance she they they just they just embrace i think they kiss yeah they do but i'm saying like that's it's it could be that it's more just out of desperation out of like not knowing what to do at this final moment not because they fell in love yeah suddenly yeah although although i guess she is prone to falling in love suddenly i suppose yeah
0: um yeah. What does the movie want us to think of them? I, I about that last moment. I'm not sure, but I can tell you, I didn't think that they were in love with each other. Right. Yeah. But per- perhaps it's a gesture that suggests
1: Patrick is at, at, at potentially at the moment of his death has
0: gotten over his grief to a certain degree. Okay. He's so he's decided not to end it. Yeah. Uh, even though that this this act that he is. Um, not following through on was not his intention. Um, And that brings him out of his um, state of depression. Like his world is not ending because he can still love. Right. Okay. If that's what the movie is about, then good for you movie. But (laughs) yeah, that's that's a bit... uh, It's a a big loose end. It's a big
1: matzo ball to quote Seinfeld. (laughs) But... um, yeah, it, I I think I'm stretching, but that that was kind of
0: at least what I walked away thinking. Okay, that's uh, that's a that's possible. Yeah, I, that's a that's pretty good reading of it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever, dude. You can like you can think dude. as well. You can whatever. No, no, I no. I don't, I don't mean to dis. <laughs> no, I, know, I don't mean I know, to disparage. I'm just I'm just saying like if if that's what the movie's about, I just feel I still feel let down. Yeah, yeah. Um, possibly. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't really feel like defending the movie or anything either. No. It kind of left me a bit cold. Um, yeah. Also, there's there's a, a couple of things about the script which uh, which uh, date it in yeah. a bad way. Okay. Um, so uh, they make a couple of references to cell phones and about how unreliable they are. <laughs> so that certainly was, uh, uh, that's probably something nobody can uh, relate to today. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just like the most. Universally uh, dependent on device yeah. in the world, yeah. more so than a landline. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and at one point, uh, Patrick, when they're trying to steal a car, Patrick comments about how um, oh the you know design peaked, automobile design peaked in the seventies, and why did they have to make them all shiny? Why don't they make them with, with a nice matte finish? And now they do make them with matte finishes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think uh, their predictions for what. We, where we'd be at with technology and design at the end of the world was a bit off there you go take that Don McKellar <laughs> <laughs> yeah once you get your time machine go back and rewrite the script so that we don't make fun of you for those points yeah. um, I think he's doing alright oh no I, I, yeah I think he's, he's got a he still has a healthy career yeah. in Canadian uh, in the Canadian TV and film industry yeah uh um, does good voice work in Windows. <laughs> Has he directed since then? I I think so. Yes? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I think he's done a lot of TV work too. Yeah. So. I can look this up or not. But um in Exotica, was this was his character also Patrick? I don't know. What do you think it, what do you what would you bet that it was?
1: I would bet against it just in the sense that there are many
0: more names than there are Patrick's. <laughs> okay. I'm going to use my unreliable cell phone to uh, go to the uh, IMDb. Oops. I just got that you were making a joke about the movie.
1: Unreliable cell phone. I was like, wait, is your phone really unreliable? (laughs) (laughs) His name is Thomas.
0: Oh, okay. Is there a Patrick in that movie? I don't think so. No? All right. There's an Eric. Mm. It's kind of a similar name. Okay, maybe that's where I confused them don mckellar can certainly look like a patrick though All right he's got a bit of a donny patricky Ericy,
1: thomasy kind of look <laughs> um
0: anything that stood out uh as uh as uh recognizably canadian in this movie they
1: flip over a ttc streetcar sure <laughs> it does yeah. have a distinct look to them they do they do they're red and white and
0: black yeah I thought the um, when when Patrick uh, bumps into the uh, the teacher, and then and then she starts talking to him in French. I thought that was a, that was a moment that that yeah I thought resonated as like yeah that's Canadian where well, you it bump into is, a French teacher and they insist on talking to you in French.
1: Yeah, yeah. and well, but also that his French was very anglicized.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, anything else? Um Nope. Great. Let's wrap this up with our uh, by turning to our made up and arbitrary rating system. Yeah. What shall we score this out of, Alexander? Fifty nine. Sounds good. Fifty nine uh, Leafs. Maple Leafs. Great. It doesn't have to be maple leaves, though. It does have to be maple leaves. I think yeah. they're maple leaves. Sure. Uh, I just didn't want to confuse it with the hockey team. But right. Yeah. Um, out of fifty nine, I'm gonna I'll award this uh, twenty Leafs. I'm gonna give it four hat tricks. I don't think uh, hockey played in this movie, but okay. <laughs> well, because you said you didn't want to confuse it with Maple Leafs, <laughs> so you're just gonna you're just going uh, four, to four uh, reinforce that. that's
1: like that's a lot of hat tricks, man.
0: Yeah, in one game? Are you kidding me? Well, it has to be the one. It's game. never been done. A hat-trick is uh, one player scoring three times? Three goals. In the same game? In the same game. Okay. So for four of those, that means that'd be be a score of 12 for one team. Yeah. Yeah. By the same person. Well, no, you could have have four hat-tricks by different players. Different players. Yeah. Never been done. You
1: might even say that the world will end before a hockey team
0: scores four hat-tricks in one game. Think about that. Wow. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. Um, somebody at some sports podcast can probably comment. Yeah. But not on ours. That is, uh, we don't have the answer on ours. They can comment on ours if they want to. So do that by emailing filmedincanada at gmail.com. Or, or tweeting at me at marriedtoafly. That's T-O, married to a fly. And our other content is on our website, some. Um, filmedincanada.net <laughs> Did you really need to include the triple W? <laughs> Do I? You know
1: that modern internet browsers don't require you to type, to type in the www because it assumes that you're on the internet and not on some what intranet some sort of internal internet network that's not connected to the world wide web Well
0: to be on the safe side <laughs> put in those
1: w's <laughs> and if to if you're if you're going to be one of those people that includes the www at the beginning of a web address you should technically say ww dot i find W-W-dot. that every, every time someone says that they always leave out one of the w's as <laughs> you're your
0: you're you're warning them not to say www. no i'm warning i'm warning that you should have said ww dot but that would be incorrect yeah but it's the that's the it's, conventional it's the way to say...
1: it's the preferred nomenclature of websites
0: to that's... quote Walter Sojak
1: and <laughs> the Big Lebowski. Well, that's stupid. According to Walter Sojak, you are an Asian, Asian Canadian, not a Chinaman. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> that's so he's on your side. Then.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like, yeah, sounds like he's got my back we're gonna wrap it up here yeah and uh tune in again please please do because <laughs> i don't know if this was a good one or not uh yeah i thought i had a clever wrap-up thing here <laughs> okay thanks for listening in the short time that we had i hope we said something that makes you love us no you know like no i don't get it it's under O's character. She says, tell me something to make me love you. Oh, right. Because they totally fall in love. Totally. And then they blow each other's brains out. But then they don't. Because that's what love means. Love means never having to blow your brains out. Yeah. Okay. So, so
1: oh, here. well, here's a wrap-up. Even though we've already done most of the wrap-up, have, have you come to any conclusions about your... Uh, your feelings about the election and did this movie help you
0: process any of those feelings um, not directly I guess um, though I think the, um, the message that you got to you got to do things that make you happy in the time remaining is always relevant nice yeah catch you later on the B side flip side of the coin Bye-bye. All right.